Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode six. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and you're listening to the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu Jitsu. Live Jiu Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and in the United States who offer free Jiu Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, helping to keep them stay away from drugs and crime and to inspire them to pursue their goals and dreams. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, geese, and tournament registrations. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donates all the profit of t-shirts and patches sales to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.liveju-jitsu.org. It's www.liveju-jitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Bernardo Faria. Bernardo received his black belt from Ricardo Marquez in 2008 and has gone on to become a four-time black belt world champion. Bernardo is also the co-founder of BJJFanatics.com, which is one of the fastest-growing jiu-jitsu libraries in the world. Bernardo began jiu-jitsu at the age 14, and after only a year of training at the age 15, Bernardo knew exactly what he wanted to do for the rest of his life, jiu-jitsu. Unfortunately, his father had other ideas and did not view jiu-jitsu as a legitimate career path. Bernardo has two older brothers. One is an engineer and the other one a doctor, so he was expected to follow their example. Bernardo agreed to go to college and study business, but never gave up on his dream of making a living in jiu-jitsu. At the end of 2008, when he had finished college, his dad told him he could do whatever he desired, and with his blessing, he moved to Sao Paulo to train with Fabio Gurgel. Bernardo trained at Fabio's academy from 2009 until 2013. And he won the world championships in 2010 and 2013. In 2013, he moved to New York City to train and teach at the legendary Marcelo Garcia's academy. While there, he won both his weight division and the absolute of the 2015 world championships. In 2015, Bernardo was ranked first in the IBJJF rankings overall and was chosen as the best athlete for 2015. In 2018, Bernardo opened his own academy in Bedford, Massachusetts, and now Bernardo's mission is to share the lessons, techniques, and experiences he has learned during his career as a student, teacher, and world-class competitor. Welcome to the show, Bernardo. Thank you, Gustavo. I'm so surprised to hear for the introduction. I was, I was like, he's going to say something wrong, and he didn't. <laughs> it's exactly what happened in my life. Yeah, we got a crew. I have a group that helps me. I have John Buckley. He does, good friend of mine, does all my intros for the podcast, and Nigel Kurt. So we got a, a little team going for the podcast. And just like you to share a little bit more about how jiu-jitsu got into your life and uh, where you're at in your jiu-jitsu journey. Yeah, when I was 14 years old, I started Jiu-Jitsu, and the reason why was 
I had a, I have, I had two brothers. I have two brothers, and they are both older, older than me. And the the one who is three years older than me, I was like 14, and they were like 16, 17, that age. And the, his friends used to go to my house and do barbecue and this and that. And then in the end, they would always end up grappling the carpet. Mm-hmm. And there was one guy who was the smallest one, used to beat everybody. And I was like, what's that? You know, like this small guy beating everybody. And he used to do jiu-jitsu. And all the others didn't do jiu-jitsu. So then I was very impressed. You know, like I was like, how this small guy can beat all these big guys here in the carpet? And then he, he told him that he was doing jiu-jitsu and he invited him to do it. And then I started and I love it. And here I am. <laughs> Awesome. And where are you at in your journey right now, in your jiu-jitsu journey? I know that you got your school, you got the jiu-jitsu fanatics. So where are you at in your journey? Still yes. have time to train and everything? Yeah, in 2014, I started doing... I, in 2014, I started feeling that I was kind of going towards the end of my career because motivation, I was not that excited anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was all beat up. My body was falling apart and a bunch of injuries. So I started... To, trying to find something else to do mm-hmm. and uh, i was a little annoyed with my life that i was teaching and training a lot but i had a lot of gaps on my day that i had nothing to do that i was checking people's instagram all day long mm-hmm. like, that's not good you know i gotta do something else and then i met michael zenga which is my business partner on bgd fanatics nowadays and he started teaching me about digital marketing he said that i should start promoting myself a little more that Facebook was the best platform for that, that that would help me to make seminars, this and that. And then instead of watching people's Instagram and Facebook all day long, nice. when I was not training, I started studying and reading books, listening, watching videos online about how to advertise online and this and that. And then I grow my Facebook page for like 100,000 followers. And then I started getting like more seminars. I started promoting myself more, right? Yeah. And I always trying to help the Jiu-Jitsu community. And then, like, by the end of 2014, uh, Michael, my business partner, invited me to make one website that was called BG Super Deals. That was one deal per day, and we started partnering up with everybody and selling videos and using what I had learned using Facebook to mm-hmm. advertise. And uh, so that was 2014. Then, coincidence or not, 2015... I was kind of like without that pressure, right? That that jiu-jitsu is the only thing I had in my life. That that tournaments were the most important part of my life and was my best year competing. I wow. won the double gold in the awards, double gold in Pan Ams. And I think it was a lot because because that, you know, because I had other things going on. So mm-hmm. I took out that pressure that I have to win the tournament. I was just there because I wanted to be there. And then I competed 2016 and 2017. I got third in the world in 2016, second in 2017. And then in 2018, I decided to move to Boston because Michael lives in Boston. So it would be mm-hmm. easier for us to live nearby each other. And then I also opened my school here. So I decided to retire and not compete anymore because I, I always believe that in life we should try to focus on something. Mm-hmm. too much to try to take care of the school take care of the business online and also compete so uh, I think I've competed a lot and I, I reached like my biggest dreams competing mm-hmm. so I closed this chapter of my life and now I'm just like I, I still train right I train for uh-huh. my students but it's a completely different type of training because mm-hmm. 
Nowadays, I train a lot of the white belts. I take breaks between rows. <laughs> and I didn't used to do that when I was competing. And uh, I teach, I take care of my school and the online business as well. That's where I'm the most excited. What, what's the most, I'm the most excited. That's awesome. We have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to the podcast, people in transition. And we do actually have professional athletes as well. So I feel that your story is a great inspiration for them that sometimes some people they all they think about is a competition, but they don't think what it's next. You're not going to be a competitor for forever. I agree. And I feel that this this is a great example of what you did. And the very first episode that we had was with Vince Bear from Shoiro. And the topic was sharpening your mind. And that's exactly what you did. Like I said, I started reading books, you start to get more information. And it's crazy how this opened up our vision in such a a massive way. You know, I mentioned that I would not, I would not be where I'm at in my personal and professional life if I didn't start reading, getting information, go to conventions. You know, this is so important. And I feel that some people in the jiu-jitsu community, especially entrepreneurs or competitors, I feel that you still underestimate the power of reading a book, of signing up for a course. You know, that's something that I try to share with people. But sometimes people are in a just in their different journey and maybe at one point something's gonna have to really click for them to go out and and really start to sharpen in their mind and how do you feel bjj relate to life yeah i think like uh yeah, first of all like very cool everything you said because uh, i agree with that like uh it's i think like uh Reading a book and studying, it's pretty much like when you're training Jiu-Jitsu, you, know? you train every day to try to progress and to mm-hmm. get your level better. So I think like uh, studying and trying to improve on other stuff is, is kind of the same feeling of uh, training and trying to get better in Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like uh, reply to your question, how, to, how Jiu-Jitsu related to life, I, I, think it, I think that's what makes Jiu-Jitsu so fascinating because it's it's exactly like life right some days you wake up you go train and you train very well you get out of the mat very happy and then next day you get beat up you tap <laughs> times and that's how life is you know like you, you never have like only good days every time you have some bad days as well and uh, sometimes you tap in life too but yeah. you, tap or you don't give up right you you stand up and go again so i think it you on jiu-jitsu role on jiu-jitsu training is exactly what life is so i think this is what this is the hook that jiu-jitsu has that makes everybody like addictive i mm-hmm. think the most engaging sport that there is out there you know like i used to joke with people about that like jiu-jitsu is the type of sport that you see someone's profile on facebook and the guy has the gi on medals you don't <laughs> see that too much on other sports you know like you don't see like who plays tennis ball holding the racket like that in the face <laughs> profile so I think that's the hook of Jiu-Jitsu. It's so close to what life is. Mm-hmm. And all the struggles that you have during the row, you have in life as well, like in other levels. So I think that's what brings Jiu-Jitsu. Absolutely. And you mentioned that when you're 14, you start training by 15, very similar to me. When I was about 16, I already knew that that's what I want to do for a living. So I want to know more a little bit of when you had that, that spark, that vision especially being that young, I, it's tough for you to explain, but how was the mindset back then? Of course, we're talking about emotional maturity. You know, you're 15, you're really uh, developing, but you just have that desire. 
yeah. it very often comes with fears, come with anxiety, especially the same way with me. It was kind of, oh, that's nice. Gustavo does jujitsu, keep him away from trouble and stuff. But if I say, I actually going to try to do this for a living. I'm like, no, 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 not for a living. It's a good hobby. That's good for you, but you're not going to actually make a living with this. And I put my foot down and I'm still here. And and you put your foot down. I know that a lot of people, unfortunately, entrepreneurs or not, people who are are listening, maybe they have, there's people didn't put their foot down and end up following a career, a path that they, they didn't want to. And now they could be even transitional looking for something that they like. And you're able to do that when you're 15, 16, that you put your foot down, like, this is what I want to do. So what I want to know is, do you remember kind of how felt emotionally to see like, how I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. How was the mindset back then? Yeah, that, that was the biggest fight in my career. I think it was, was harder than winning the World Championships. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I, I came from a family that I have two brothers. One is engineer and the other one is doctor, and I'm the youngest one. So my family was that very traditional family that, oh, you got to study, you got to go to high school, then you got to do a good college, then you got to get a job. So I was like that, right? And then... When I was like 14, I started Jiu-Jitsu when I was 15. By the end of 15, when I was a yellow belt, I was getting close to become 17 years old, right? And in Brazil, when you were 17, is the time that you got to study to go to college and decide what, what you're going to do for the rest of your life. So when I was like close to become 16, I was like, man, I got to think here what I'm going to do, right? Because mm-hmm. one year more, I'm going to need to go to college and this and that. So, and then in my mind, I had that already. I was like, no, man, I want to do jiu-jitsu. No, I love jiu-jitsu. I want to live for that. But uh, then when I told that to my parents, that was like the mm-hmm. biggest fight ever. You know? like, my dad didn't accept that. And my mom was almost like crying, like, oh, this is going to be, that's not going to work, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then my dad, I didn't know if he would kill me or kill himself. There was two options there. And then I did the... Uh, what they call like vestibular, that's mm-hmm. like a test to go to college. And in Brazil, the public colleges are better than the private colleges most of the mm-hmm. time. It's very hard to get in. And then I actually got in for civil engineer in Brazil. And uh, so it's the perfect one, right? Because you don't have to pay. The college is very good, this and that. And then all my family is very excited. But then when I saw this candle, it was like class from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. <laughs> how can I do jiu-jitsu if I do that you know like I'm, I'm never going to be able to win any tournament if I do that so I decided that I would not do that college you know mm. and it was the one that you don't have to pay it's the best one in my hometown this and that then my dad freaked out you know he's like how can you not do it blah blah jiu-jitsu is never going to give you anything blah 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 <laughs> and then it was a very tough time you know and I was like a teenager I was in that age that you have all the doubts on your on your head and this and that and my two brothers, one was becoming doctor, the other one just became engineer. I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to be the dark one in the family, right? <laughs> and then uh, my dad, then I convinced my dad that I would not do it. And then he was like, okay, but you got to do something. So, so then there was a college nearby my house that was a private one, but was, was cheap. It was like $150 per month, $200 per month. It was, it was not ex- that expensive mm-hmm. and it was business. And I saw this schedule and was class from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. I was like, this I can do it. 
And then I would study from like 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. And then I would train from 12 to 2. I would go home, rest, and I would come back to school, lift weight from 5 to 6, pray against 6 weight. So I was able to handle everything, you know. And then I finished the college. And then also I finished the college. I went to Sao Paulo. And then my dad supported me a little bit. For one year, he kind of paid my costs in, in Sao Paulo. That was like apartment, food. And then after one year, I was already like making seminars and making my money and this and that. So by by the end, when I was like the end of brown belt and getting the black belt, my dad supported me a little bit. But before that, was it always like that tough fight? And it was always that double, you know. And I doing the right choice, you know. Like I don't know if this is gonna turn on something, you know. Yeah, I understand because it's like Bernardo Wild, the rebel of the family. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I think this this type of pressure is what made me work so hard, you know. Like, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so. And now, since you've been competing for so long, of course, that uh, there's so many similarities in jiu-jitsu, entrepreneurship, you know, that how to deal with, because that jiu-jitsu is going to teach you well about winning and losing in life. That's why I'm a huge fan of jiu-jitsu competition as a personal development tool. I think it's huge for everyone. For kids, it's huge to understand that, dude, you're not going to win every time. You're not going to land every deal that you, that you want. And I feel that a lot of people who are, who are listening, that they are jiu-jitsu practitioners and they end up forgetting this idea of how to transfer jiu-jitsu to their personal professional life, the concepts of being comfortable in uncomfortable situations, dealing with, with the, the wins and the losses, being confident, not just when things are up, but when things are down. So I'd love you to explain, uh, to expand a little more in the idea of how do you use your experience from jujitsu to transfer now to this new chapter in your life that I feel that a lot of people can take advantage of your advice, even if someone who's listening, it's not a world-class competitor, they just train jiu-jitsu. But what lessons do you feel that people could be utilizing from jiu-jitsu that you learn? And if you could expand, it would be awesome. Yeah, I think like uh, in my career, for example, when I was competing jiu-jitsu, one thing that I learned is that I could never judge how I was doing by my everyday training, you know, like many times I would okay. compete a tournament and I was training horrible, horrible, horrible. And that was what the day of the tournament I went there and I beat everybody, not easy, but very well, you know, mm -hmm. many times I was training very well and beating everybody in training. And then in the day of the tournament, I got my ass kicking. So I think that's exactly how life is, right? Like uh, you always got to keep going, keep going, keep going. Cause sometimes things doesn't look like going well, but if you keep going, it's gonna turn out on something good, and uh, and vice versa, right? Sometimes you're, you're doing very well, but you don't get the result that you wanted. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think, like as you talked before, it teaches a lot because it's impossible that if you train really hard, if you push yourself really hard, if you roll like with the toughest guys and that, it's impossible that you're gonna beat everybody every day. You know, you're always mm -hmm. gonna get your ass kicked at some point. And uh, that's exactly how life feels, you know, like you're going to fail a lot, but as long as you stand up and keep going, 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 you learn if what your fails and, and you end up improving yourself. It's really hard to accept that and to understand that. I understand because mm -hmm. everybody hates losing and failing, right? Mm 
Mm-hmm. But I think like once you get used, kind of start becoming normal, you know. Like and then and then jujitsu jujitsu teach you a lot, teach you a lot about that because you're gonna lose a lot, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot. But you're gonna keep going, or you're gonna give up. But if you give up, that's the wrong path, right? So I yeah. think that's like the biggest thing that I see. And uh, it's it's uh, we were just talking before, like like uh, it's impressive, like how many entrepreneurs i find doing jiu-jitsu nowadays like mm-hmm. only here in us maybe i can point like five or ten here like i know like uh chin ferris the one who wrote like four hour work week yeah. there is one guy that i follow a lot that in my opinion is probably like one of the best facebook guys here in us called airs of firestone he does jiu-jitsu as well mm-hmm. uh, i heard that the founder of airbnb does jiu-jitsu as well wow. in brazil i have a bunch of friends there is one guy for example that uh, it's one of, kind of like one of my mentors called Thales Gomes. He found the Easy Taxi that was one of the biggest comparisons against Uber, and he was chosen by MIT as the most innovative entrepreneur in the world. And he's completely nice. addictive in Jiu Jitsu right now. He's blue belt and completely addictive. And there's another friend who is called Moacir, and he, he owns like half of the internet in Brazil. Mm-hmm. He owns everything there, like a Pontador and the, a lot of things. And he loves Jiu Jitsu too. He's brown belt. So uh, it's it's like uh, after I started doing my stuff, becoming kind of an entrepreneur, this and that, I started realizing that how many great entrepreneurs do jiu-jitsu. And I bet it's because of this, you know, it's because this toughness that you, you create when you do jiu-jitsu, you know. Yeah, and yeah. it's interesting because you're able to transfer that really well. I mentioned now with the BJJ uh, Fanatics, bjjfanatics.com for people who are not familiar to take a look. It's like you go in with full intention of, man, this launch is going to be great. We filmed it. It was awesome. And you go the, expe- and the expectation to really that happens all the time. <laughs> does really well and suddenly is not the, the result expected. Same thing in terms of you go in, you train, you did everything you could and still didn't get the result. So that's one example of like how you need to bounce back real quick. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think you were a great example about that as well. Like, I see, like, you had your career in jiu-jitsu, then you had a school, now you organize tournaments, then you made the BJJ Metal Coach, then now you're doing a podcast, so look how many things you're trying, you know, like, how many things you're trying and doing, you know, like, yeah. the, the, the tournament is going very well, the BJJ Metal Coach, everybody related you with that, your school, I heard it's a good school, so... So look how, how many stuff, you know, like that's, that's, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. And just executing and not always, you know, is going to work. So for all the listeners who maybe been executing some ideas and you're not getting the results that you want, all you can do is just literally do the best you can with what you have right now, because the same way that we go to tournaments, we can't control the outcome. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what your opponent brings to the table. You don't know if the referee is going to do their job. You don't know if you're going to get hurt. You have no control of anything. The only thing you can do, you can influence the result, the outcome, how preparing yourself the best way you can. So if you do everything you can, you're going to have better odds of achieving the outcome that you want, but not necessarily you will. You're just playing with the odds. And that's the same thing in business. You got to execute the best way to the best of your ability so we can influence the outcome have a better chance of achieving the result and not always going to happen but i feel that if you plan and put the work and you keep going as you mentioned eventually 
it's going to happen. And with that said, what do you feel that is the worst, the toughest entrepreneurial experience that you had right now? I know that you just started not so long ago. Probably one of the toughest decisions was back then dealing with a family, you know, uh, yeah. issue of a, hey, I'm going to pursue this or, you know, but I'm saying after that, after you embrace this, you stop competing, some of the challenges that you faced and what did you learn from it? Yeah. Uh, uh, before I say that, it was, was cool that you mentioned that, that I was young and they decided to do Jiu Jitsu because I feel myself kind of like an entrepreneur since I was 15 years old, right? Because yeah. this is being an entrepreneur. Like, uh, were, I, yeah. I, I didn't have manager, right? So Jiu Jitsu don't have manager. So you got to take all the decisions on your career. You got to take the decision where you're going to train, how hard you're going to train, which tournaments you're going to do. So it's pretty much the same thing when you have a company, like which product you're going to launch, when you're going to launch, how hard you're going to work to make that product. So it's kind of the same thing. So I, I really feel like the same feeling. But uh, I think like the biggest, sometimes the biggest fr frustrations that I have is exactly what you mentioned. You know, like you launch a product, you have huge expectations mm -hmm. and it doesn't go as well as you want. But I always, there, there was the opposite thing times as well, that we, we launched something that we didn't expect that would yes, do well, absolutely. and did very well. So that's, it's exactly like Jiu-Jitsu, right? Some days you go train, like, ah, I don't feel like training today, like, I'm kind of lazy. And then it's your best row out, it's your best yeah, training yeah. ever, you know, and everybody has those days. And some days you go very excited, you got a coffee before the training, you're feeling energetic. <laughs> you get there, you get your ass kicked by everybody, so... That is true. So, so I, but, but anyway, the frustration, I think, that happens sometimes is this. When you put so much work on something, and then when you actually launch that thing, it's like, ah, it was not perfect. Mm -hmm. No, I got you. Now, let me ask you this. What is one high-performance habit that helped you to progress in jiu-jitsu and in business? Something that you feel that you do since, since you're young, that you did naturally in jiu-jitsu, next thing? you're doing this pattern, this good positive pattern that you did in competition, suddenly you're doing now in business. So what would you say this habit is? Yeah, I think like what helped me the most in jiu-jitsu that helps me a lot in business as well is like being obsessed about it, you know. Like mm -hmm. In jiu-jitsu, uh, it's even bad to say that, but when I was really doing jiu-jitsu, I didn't even know what was going on in the world, you know, like, <laughs> it's talking to me about politics, about economy, about anything. I didn't know anything about anything. I just knew about Jiu-Jitsu and I was completely obsessed about it. But I knew everything about Jiu-Jitsu. I remember it was blue or purple belt. I knew like the first, second and the two third place on every belt on words, Pan-American, Brazilian Nationals. <laughs> Every single tournament, I knew everybody. I was completely obsessed. And I tried to do the same thing in training as well. And I tried to see, like, what these guys don't do that I can do more than them. And then I realized that everybody would just roll in the training until the class finished. Mm -hmm. So I started rolling, like, three or four or five rows more after the class. I was mm -hmm. never that guy who trains five times per day. I always wanted, I was training, like, two times per day, but really, really intense. Mm -hmm. so like what they don't do that I can do, you know. So I was every time the dra the training would finish, I would roll like four or five rows more with someone who was fresh. And then, like uh, in this entrepreneur world, I really tried to push myself, like to 
I watch a ton of videos, I listen a bunch of podcasts, I read a ton of books. So uh, I really push myself really hard like to try to learn as much as I can. Because mm -hmm. that's the jiu-jitsu training, right? In this, I The think. obsession for growth. Yeah. And, uh, and also trying, you know, if you, if you just read and you just study and you don't try anything, you don't actually, the same thing you're just drilling, you know, like if you don't roll, how are you going to see if it's something's working or not? Exactly. And uh, I'm very kind of lucky that my business partner, Michael, he's exactly like this, you know, he's like, if we have some idea, 10 seconds later, he's already writing a bunch of emails, calling mm -hmm. everybody and blah, blah, blah. And one day later, we did it. Nice. So that's good, you know, like when you have someone on your side who is like as much obsessed as you. And the, he's the type of guy that goes with 2 a.m. as well. You know, we call each other like 1.30 almost every day. And mm -hmm. So it's good to have someone like that. You know, They're both on the same page. That's awesome. Yeah. Now I'm going to have the drilling round with some quick answers. So this one is, what is the best advice you've ever received? Man, there are so many. I mean, like, it's hard to point one, but it's, it's even hard to think one. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, but Michael, my business partner, for example, he always tells me that, that he's horrible predicting stuff. So he tries everything. So that's a good one, you know. Like, yeah. That's true, you know. Like, when you start predicting, we always predict wrong. So we try everything. We try a bunch of stuff. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, and coincidence or not in Jiu-Jitsu was I was kind of like that, you know, I never liked to bat in one tournament, you know, like I mm -hmm. see some guys that they take the year calendar and they say like, I'm going to compete the words and the penems. It's a big risk, you know, like you have two shots only. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was always the one that I, I would take the calendar, I'm going to compete the European, the penems, the word broad, the words, mm -hmm. the words no good, I'm going to try to do the ADCC, one I'm going to win, you know, like, it's <laughs> true. Hard, you know, so. Yeah, so, but it's hard to remember, like, one advice, you know, like, there are so many, I think. Now, what advice would you give to your younger self when you found that spark when you're 16? Is there anything that you had a chance to talk with a younger Bernardo and say, like, hey, buddy, just to let you know this here, what that would be? Yeah, I, this I got to give Fabio Gurgel the credit because he actually gave me this advice. And... Uh, when I was young, when I moved to Sao Paulo, I was like 22 or so, and I moved and I moved to Sao Paulo, and for one year, I was having to ask my dad's money, you know, like, oh, can you help me to pay the apartment? Can you help me? So I was crazy nervous about making money, making money, making money. I got to make money. Oh, I got to make the living, you know, and I didn't make $1 per month at that time. So I was completely, like, broke. And I was crazy nervous to make my life happen, you know. And Fabio Gugia was always like, man, calm down. The money is in the end. Mm -hmm. Don't try to catch it right now. If you catch it right now, you're going to screw your career, you know, like, because you're going to start thinking more about teaching while you should be thinking about training, you know. Mm -hmm. You're going to start thinking more about having a school while you should be thinking about winning the words. So Fabio was able to calm my my how can i say like you, uh, you, your anxiety and your anxiety yeah. to make money to make stuff happen yeah, yeah to make my living you know because i was living in sao paulo that's a very expensive city and yes i was completely broken i on the weekend i could not even go enjoy sao paulo you know i had to stay home to you know so fabio was he he was really smart to have that vision you know that man if you if you win everything right now 
you're gonna have a lot of opportunity in the future mm -hmm. if you try to start teaching right now in the future you're gonna be one more jiu-jitsu teachers how many jiu-jitsu teachers there are in the world so if you want to be something special that's the time to sacrifice you know and now looking backwards, I say like, man, I'm glad I listened to him, you know, because yes. I could easily have, I had a bunch of little opportunities, like in 2007, for example, I had one opportunity to come to Massachusetts, where I am right now. Mm -hmm. And if I did that, I would become a jiu-jitsu instructor, you know, like, yeah. and I would never have won any words because I would be teaching one school that didn't have like a high level to mm -hmm. train. So it's, this, you know, like, so th that was... I think like uh, that is the advice that I would give yeah. to myself. That you actually gave me. So I'm always looking about that. And it's a tough transition for people who may be out there that are still adult competitors and try to make it happen because that window of from like blue to like brown before you get to black, it's like you're going to college. That's your competition, the whole, it's the four years of. Like, this is your college right now. And there's one of my students, Orlando Monteiro. He's a black belt now. And I used to tell him that because he's thinking about different ways. Same thing you just said to make money. I said, like, right now, it's like you're going to college and you're a trainee. You're not going to, you know, you got to get some cash here and there. When you get your black belt, it doesn't mean that you made it. Now you're in the market. You know, yeah. now we're going we're gonna to start building your name. People are going to look for seminars. And that's exactly what happened with you, you know, so. Yeah, yeah this weekend there was one kid visiting here from Sao Paulo. It's called Vinicius Ferreira. He won the words as a purple belt. He won the words as a brown belt. He's 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And he's exactly where I was. You know? He was like, oh, man, I got to leave Sao Paulo. I can't stay there anymore. It's so expensive. I don't make any money there. I was like, man, stay there. Yeah. You're under five. You're in the best spot. You're soon you're going to be black belt. You're 21 years old. You have the rest of your life to make money. Man, just focus on, on making it happen right now, you know, like, then when you become 30, 35, you can't come back, you know, like, but, but you have the rest of your life to make money, you know, so don't, don't try to make every dollar right now, you know, like, just focus on your training, that's what's going to create your future, you know. Like. Yeah, and important too is what is the final vision, you know, what are you trying yeah. to accomplish, are you trying to be a world champion what what do you try to accomplish the reason why i say that i started training in 1989 and there's no world championships back then you know yeah. and in 96 when they had the very first worlds i went to compete um, actually i didn't i had to win the trial they had a week before to compete and my mindset was that's a pretty cool world championship that would be cool to participate you know it's completely different than what it is right now and then yeah. started to get more involved with competition but in 99, I made my decision. My goal was to become a teacher. It wasn't necessarily, I want to be a world champion. When I was 16, there's no world championship, you know. So I came to the United States and in 1999, I did, that was the choice that I made to sacrifice my competition career to have a school, to have my business. But that's what I planned before. My plan was like, I need to be a black belt world champion. No, if it happened during the probably in this meantime, I was able to just keep going, competing, did what I could. And of course, when I moved to the US, everything changed as far as my career uh, as a competitor, especially in 1999, not that many people around here. So that was a, a tough transition in my life. For people who listen to podcasts, I mentioned a little bit about in the, in the episode zero when I talk about my beginning in the podcast, if people would like to know a little bit more about it. But it's a tough transition, really, when you're getting 
to that age that, man, I need to make some money, but this here and how long I'm going to be here. So I think the advice for the listeners who are in this grind is just relax, breathe and calm down. Things going to yeah. happen when it needs to happen. Yeah. If that's your goal, right? If you, if you're young and you want to do jiu-jitsu for a living and if you're, do, if you're 35 years old and you're blue or purple belt and you do jiu-jitsu twice a week, Forget everything we're talking here. It's another subject. Yeah. I think for the young guys who want to do that for a living, that's that would be what I want to must must pay the price. And yeah. what book would you recommend and why? Maybe a book that you remember? Because usually in some of the most powerful books, not always, but some of the when we start getting involved with reading, and then you're like, oh my God, I never thought about this before. You know, so what is one book that made an impact on you? Uh, one one of the book one of the books that it's not a, it's not so much about entrepreneurship but it's more about like uh, I think every jiu-jitsu instructor should read this book like five times. Mm-hmm. I think for sure you have read that. It's how to make friends and influence people. Yes, yes. I think that book is like is if you want to be a jiu-jitsu instructor, that's the most important thing you should you know, like save people's name, listen to people, ask them about their lives. People don't do that. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, like many times I do seminars, I travel around and I see, and the instructors doesn't care to some of them. Mm-hmm. doesn't care too much about the students. You know, they, they just go there, teach jiu-jitsu. And if you actually talk with the students, you know, ask about their lives, it creates way more engaging, you know, mm-hmm. like, People like people, right? So Yeah. And this comes a lot, you know, the, each one's personality as well. For example, I'm an extreme introvert, so I have to make sure that, you know, if I'm there, I need to put myself out or I need to reach out. But it's not, I'll be straight on and say it's, it's not a natural thing for me for being a, such an introvert. For maybe extroverts, it would be a little, a little easier. But in, now I just practicing like books like that and other books and persuasion and, and so forth that really help me to understand more the interpersonal skills, you know, how we're going to deal with people again, how we're going to deal with family, how we're going to deal with business or school in the EQ, you know, the emotional intelligence. It's so huge has made it such an impact in my life of working on the, on this interpersonal skills. And I still got so, so much to grow. I think we all do, you know, we all can keep improving. And that's one of the parts that I've been focusing more for the past uh, couple of years, let's say. And now, what are you currently excited about? What's going on? Yeah, now, nowadays, the thing I'm the most excited, it's all these online projects that we are doing and mm-hmm. uh, with BGJ Fanatics. We have two websites, right? BGJ Produce and BGJ Fanatics, and now we integrated uh-huh. them. So BGJ nice. Produce part of BGJ Fanatics. And we are shooting videos with like, everybody and making a ton of instructional course. And uh, it's... What I'm always learning is is what makes me the most most excited, you know. Like, mm-hmm. Yes, I'm learning, and uh, I think like anybody can steal anything I have, but not what I know, you know. So that's that's mm-hmm. that's thing that makes me the most excited, and it's cool because everything I learned doing the BGA fanatics, for example. I apply on my school to make my school grow as well, and uh, so it's everything related, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so nowadays I'm very excited about these things I'm doing online, these online projects, and also my school that I have here in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was always my dream, was to have my jiu-jitsu school, you know. Awesome. And then at some point, this online stuff I did started growing so much 
that for for a moment I asked like, man, should I have the jiu-jitsu school or not? Mm-hmm. But then I was like, man, how can I not have it? You know, like mm-hmm. after competing and training for so long, it's a thing that I always wanted to have. So I made it, and uh, it's different. It's a house that I made this like uh, I I was a dance studio, and I made it a jiu-jitsu school. So it really feels like that you are at home training jiu-jitsu school. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. And man, you're doing a great job with the videos too, because I don't know if you realize how much, you know, like you sharing your knowledge, help a lot of other people's careers at jiu-jitsu careers, competitors and so forth. And I can give, I'm going to give an example. And this is not just because I'm interviewing you, but for example, I have one, one of my students, one of my black belts, she might be listening, Sarah Black. She took second at the world's black belt in 2016 she lost to be a mosquito in the final uh-huh. and she, for example she is a person that um i started to show her like over and under stacking pass and there's so much that i know about that i'm i'm okay you know and then from there bruno basso is one of my best friends that it loves you know that game and she likes deep half and stuff as well so bruno helped her with more and then she got your your program on passing over and under and stacking okay. And man, that's her thing. So you got to, you know, even though you're not knowing, knowing now, you have a huge influence in her game and a lot of stuff that I learned because now that's specific. I like to say that, uh, you know, jujitsu going to learn different systems, you know, and that system, she's more knowledge, has more knowledge than I do because she went after and started to research and research and get. So I, now I get the tips from her, you know, that is stuff that she learned from, from your videos and a lot of the positions, variations, and she put in her own touch and, you know, uh, on the top of it so just giving you props that you second in words as a black belt well yeah at the oh. the black belt in uh 2016 yeah, and she won as a purple and brown but this one uh she won oh. and i think she won she was 36 too you know so 36 years old yeah that's that's cool to hear because uh, the way i sell my videos nowadays and i'm not being a seller you know i really yeah, believe I in that it's that my game that i play it's very good for the old guys like every old guy everyone who is like over 40 or 45 years old they play half guard <laughs> when they start getting old and when they're on top they always pass the guard from the news so that's exactly what i do and i remember like some years ago i used to think my jitsu was ugly you know like oh man my jitsu is ugly i always pass the guard from the news and and nowadays i'm thankful for that you know because mm-hmm. uh, uh, this audience is an audience that that actually consume a lot of videos mm-hmm. and, and uh, I really feel that I'm helping them, you know, and it was not nothing that I made on purpose, but mm-hmm. one guy told me one seminar, Bernard, your jiu is great for the old guys. At first I was like, man, is he joking with me? <laughs> and then I was like, man, that's actually true, you know, because I'm always <laughs> on my knees and I always do half girl. So it's, it's cool that you mentioned that she was 36. So yeah, that's she, awesome. She was second as a dude. Yeah. Oh man, that, that, was, awesome. that was the that was the adult. Um, she's still um she's still getting back to competing, and but yeah, huge influence, man. So uh, guys, for everyone listening, just stay tuned. You know, after the end of the interview, got my final thoughts. So right now, Bernardo, just I'd like you to just leave a message to the listeners and see how they can find out more about you, about your projects. Just feel free to you know, anything if you want to. Give some um, shout out if you want to just give any, is there any ebook that you give for free or anything that you like to give to the listeners? You're welcome to, uh, 
to drop anything you want right now? Yeah, first, thanks, Gustavo. And uh, it's very cool what you're doing for the podcast. And uh, I think uh, everything we do to help the community, the Jiu-Jitsu community, it's awesome. And also, I love this this that you're doing with the podcast, interviewing people. I think Jiu-Jitsu guys love to hear those stories, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's not so much out there. So that's very, very cool. Yeah, and guys, for anybody who wants to learn more about me, I have a blog, veronaforyou.com, that you can get my ebook that talks about all my history with a lot of tips and this and that. I also have a YouTube channel, Berardo for you, BJJ. And this website that we were talking about, that I make all these videos, is called bjjfanatics.com. So we make instructional videos for everyone, like uh, John Danaher, Craig Jones, Tom DeBlast, Leandro Lowe, uh, everyone you can imagine we have made a video with. So that's something that I'm very excited about it, and it's growing a lot. So check it out, bjjfanatics.com. And also, again, thanks so much. It was awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bernardo. So, guys, stay tuned for the final thoughts. Us. Us. Now, let me share with you my final thoughts. I'm not sure exactly what was your takeaway from the interview, but mine was exactly the title, Obsessed for Success. I really like the idea of the obsession And there's a great book from Grant Cardone called The 10X Rule. And there's one chapter called Obsession Isn't a Disease, It's a Gift. And I'm going to read a quick paragraph real quick. The dictionary defines the term obsessed as the domination of one's thoughts or feelings by a persistent idea, image, or desire. Although the rest of the world tends to treat this mindset like a disease, I believe that it's the perfect adjective for how you must approach success. To dominate your sector, your goal, your dream or ambition, you must first dominate your every interest, thought and consideration. Obsession is not a bad thing here. It's a requirement to get where you want to go. If you think about it, do you really think that Bernardo could have won the world championship four times if he wasn't obsessed with his goal? And at one point of the book, he also mentioned, show me one person who has achieved greatness without being obsessed in some level. Like Bernardo's BJJ fanatics is taken off because him and his partner, Michael, are fully engaged and obsessed with their goals. And he's using the same ingredient that helped him to become a four-time black belt adult world champion and part of the select group of the IBJJF Hall of Fame. Now, what about you? What do you need to do to be more or even more engaged and obsessed with your goals? Because you can use this approach in business, in your personal, professional life, any way you want. Basically, anytime, any goal that you have or maybe a skill that you want to develop, but that is a goal. For instance, if you decide that you want to learn another language, you always wanted to learn a language, but you haven't done it. And now you need to decide how good do you want to become in this language? Do you want just enough to get by when you're visiting? Or are you going to live at a place and you want to speak to the best of your ability? Because depending on the goals, you're going to have, if you want to really get as high as possible, the level of competence on this language, at some point, you're going to have to, to get obsessed with the process of learning if you want to really take this language to another level. The reason why I say this is because when I was 16, I had the desire to learn a new language. 
I asked my mom, I told her, hey, super curious about music, you know, what they say or movies. So I mentioned to her that I wanted so when I was 17, she was able to get me a scholarship in an English school. So I had my regular classes in high school and twice a week, hour and a half classes, I would go for my English class. So basically I did three hours per week for seven years. And man, during this journey, I almost quit when I was about maybe four or five years in. There was the main time that I was I was competing and and, and I started telling my mom, I told her like, Mom, this is really holding me back in training. It's out of my way. I wanna stop. And she said, No, one day you're gonna need the English and I'm like, No, I won't and I wanted to stop, but I didn't because if I fail, I would lose the scholarship. So I could just do that and just fail and then don't have to go back there. But I did really didn't want to disappoint my mom and I push you through and kept going and finish my seven years. And uh, suddenly I decided that I was going to move to the United States. So of course, what she said, I told you so. And then she was right. And as soon as I found out that I was going to move and then I started to put a lot more time into developing the language, I thought of myself, man, if I'm going to live in the United States, I have to dominate English. And I started to become more obsessed with learning and started to put in my extra hours. Back then, 1998, internet was coming around. I started to use more the internet to learn English through music, following the lyrics, trying to look for the meaning of the words, watching TV, looking for shows with subtitles. And then I'll go and I'll cover the subtitles with newspaper, put tape, record it in a VHS, try to watch as much as I could without looking at the subtitles and then watch it without the newspaper because we couldn't remove the subtitles. So this is back in 1998. And those things really helped me to improve my English. Now, fast forward to 2012. To be more specific, November 30th, 2012. That's when I had my very first professional public speaking engagement at the Hilton in Mesa, Arizona. The month prior to the seminar was a mental skills training seminar for competitors. A month prior to the seminar, I didn't know anything about public speaking whatsoever. And I was doing a speech, I think it was a promotion in my school, and one of my students, Robbie Stahl, told me, Gustavo, have you heard of Toastmasters? And I told him, actually, I was researching last week about public speaking, and I ran into that. And he told me, hey, I belong to this group in Scottsdale. You should check it out. The mentor of the club is one of my clients. He's a personal trainer. His name is Joe Weldon. He's in the Hall of Fame of Public Speaking. He's a great friend of mine. He, I believe there's someone that can really help you. And I said, okay, I'm in. And three weeks prior to the presentation, I met him. And as soon as I had this meeting with him, I realized that, man, it's like you sign up for a tournament, jiu-jitsu tournament, and you're a white belt, not even a stripe, and you realize, I don't even know what the hell am I doing here. And that's exactly when he started to talk with me about more public speaking and I then I figured out there was a skill and I was like oh my god I'm a white belt with no stripes what am I doing so I started doing private coaching with him joined the Toastmasters started working cleaning up my English to speak in public made a huge improvement in three weeks and he liked so much to you know my work ethic that he literally adopted me and he has been my mentor he's 76 and he's been my mentor for six years now. 
and I go with him. I'm a, his assistant in seminars and workshops that he does, and I continue to learn and absorb. He likes to call me the Brazilian sponge, you know, that I just go absorbing everything. And those things with that, he told me, Gustavo, I think you should join the National Speaker Association. There is a public speaking academy. I think you should, you would be super valuable to you. So I joined that and graduated on that and always doing the best, improve my English. Now, especially that I have a message to deliver, I need to deliver this message as clear as possible because public speaking is not easy in a second language. It's a lot more difficult. By the way, I'm not trying to impress you with look how great my English is, look how smart I am and how I study, none of that. It's just to convey to you that when you put your mind into something and you get obsessed with your goals, the results eventually will show up. Now, I want you to reflect on this. What is your goal? Literally, what are you trying to accomplish? And very important, in what level? Do you want to learn basketball to play with your buddies or do you want to be a professional athlete? Different levels of engagement, as you already know. So to achieve the success you desire in entrepreneurship, at some point of your journey, you will have to be obsessed with your goal. And it can be hard in family, so communication, it's super important during this time, and I wish someone had told me this earlier. But I did the best I could with what I knew, and you did the best you could with what you knew until this point in your life. So my suggestion is be obsessed with growth personal and professional growth. If you focus on growth, you will have better chance of achieving the outcome that you want. Oops. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, but the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.